you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We don't like them! They don't like us! It's us against them! Make a million, man! The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at DaveDamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. We are all you need. And by we, I mean me. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. No, not just me. Also, my main man seated to my immediate left here to Kibitz with us once again in Studio 66, Brian Baumgartner. What's happening, fella? I am good. How are you? I, I imagine that you're tamping down your your chief emotion as you are about to head off to Tahoe. I am. We're going to be talking with one of your adversaries in just a matter of moments. A lot of guts from you and from this guy to talk to one another before you become combatants. Out on the links, we're speaking of the starting quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, Carson Palmer, going to be joining us in a matter of moments here. He's so, scared. He's scared. I you think, think so. He, I think he's scared. Yeah. You know, he's big and tall and tough, but I think he's scared. I think that would be his overriding emotion. What should you wonder what you could wear that would intimidate him, like a Panthers jersey oh. or a Seahawks or like Cliff Averill jersey? I would never wear a Seahawks jersey. Don't ever say that again. Are you one of those guys? Do you wear the jerseys of uh, of pro athletes? Uh, no, I don't. Do you? No, I don't. No, no. I, not oh, generally. Really? No. No. See, I actually this is I, we haven't discussed this. I kind of have a, a law that I live by. But I, a creed. I, a creed that I thought might offend you or some people behind the glass. I think if you're over hmm, 10, I was going to say 8, but I think 10. If you're over the age of 10 and not actively participating in a sporting event, you should not wear a jersey. 
I hear you, and one of my favorite sites uh, in the world is one one thing that really makes me laugh. Uh, it makes me a mean guy because it make I'm condescending, I suppose. But I laugh at the my favorite shots are at the end of a game, or actually being in the stadium and walking out with uh, like a 53 year old man in the face paint and the jersey of his favorite player. It when when that team has just lost. <laughs> That sad That's your favorite look. thing? Oh, well, it makes me laugh it very hard, laugh. that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Even <laughs> I'm a Steelers guy, even when it's a Steelers fan. It, there's something uh, amusing about that site. The thing that's weird, a, a, a new category that has emerged in the 21st century, I guess with Tiger Woods really, are golf fans who go to the golf tournament dressed like a golfer. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. You're not playing today, man. What do you, you got the outfit on? Yeah, but but okay. I, I do hear that, but I think there's also like golf course etiquette respect old timey thing. No. 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 This is somebody trying to say this is this is the subconscious. Are you saying like out. wearing a red shirt and black pants rooting for Tiger? Is if that what you you're go saying? if you go that far, then it's getting even weirder. But yes, wearing the golf attire is it, it, whether they know consciously that that's why they're doing it, they want it to be known by the PGA Tour guys. Hey, I'm a golfer too. I'm one. Uh, I'm oh. I, I'm in the gang. I'm I, I'm one of you. Yes. I'm not one of these schnooks who showed up to to buy uh, overpriced beer and walk around. I'm a golfer myself. And if you need me, <laughs> I can jump in. <laughs> you understand? That's you what. Don't, it, do you think the guys wearing jerseys at a football game are doing the same thing? On some level, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? I think that's what it's about. I like we talked to, about, I, I think that's why. I think that they want it to be – it's the shared experience, which then I do, then it blurs the lines for me because that's why I always say – now you're a Packers guy. In the NFC North, one of my rules when I take over, uh, you know, when I, when I fully take over sports, right? I one of my first deeds probably – I was going to say before lunch, but probably I'll take like a two and a half hour lunch just to establish a pattern. That like, you yeah, can. if I if I if I work through lunch on the first day, then end of the week, like, hey, I'm knocking off for 45 minutes for lunch. Whoa, you know, half day, boss? No, right. always two and a half hour lunches. You know, okay. that'll be my anyway. Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, 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 yeah, I think that uh, I, don't, I don't even remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the North. It yeah, is the North. North. I, okay. I forgot what my I was interested was. in what you were. Okay, go ahead. Rip the domes off the NFC North stadiums. Oh, that, well, sure. It's shameful that the Vikings and the Lions cut their own noses to spite their faces. They they give up their home field advantage. But the reason Lambeau is great, Heinz Field is great in December and January, Baltimore, New England, and beyond is because of the communal vibe in there. When it's minus three out and it, and it's snowy and stuff, now you're a part of the game in a way that you wouldn't be if you're in a climate-controlled dome. Then yes. you may as well be at the movies watching it watching it play out on a screen. Yes. Now it's a shared thing. So now I feel like, all right, the jersey on some level makes – not sense, but – you Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's a popular opinion that I have. It's just one that I have. Oh, I think it's an emerging opinion. The well, hipsters, too, is they co-op jerseys, retro jerseys. The hipsters now, they're more NBA guys now. They wear, right. the, they wear the retro, the, right. the Grant Hill, turquoise, Pistons jersey kind right. of thing, you yes. know, to, to be hipsters as they go to to uh, whatever today's version of Lollapalooza is. I don't know what it is. Wait, now, but I want to ask you this. Now, see, I am all in favor of – 
wearing the same color yes. of the team that you're yes and 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 I will without fail wear the hat like wear a hat with the the so I I want the NFL to know I'm supporting the merchandising it's the specific jersey that I that I I hear you if you did have to get a Packers jersey which would it be if you could wear only one I mean I would be Rodgers it would be Rodgers you yeah, could but, get a 4 but, you could you, you could get a 15 an honor star I could but I wouldn't I but I wouldn't get any any of them all right, but that's but no I, fun. I, I'm not, you don't have to wear it, but I want you to play my game and tell me. So your favorite Packer in history is Aaron Rodgers, in other words. Yes. That's cool. What do you make of uh, 88 when you see that in the backfield? That's weird. Has your eye adjusted to seeing the 88? No, on- it is weird. I No, it's it's strange. I mean, do you think it's going to be there? I don't know. I've heard tale that he might change it. I don't know how you're allowed to. They do have rules about that you're ha- – okay. I don't know the rules. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, oh, wide receivers oh, 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 yes, can only yes, yes. wear. No, yeah. no, yes, I know that rule. But is there a rule about changing? I don't or... know that they can force him into doing it. But then it's all, I mean, it, it will always confuse my brain when I watch CFL and the wide receivers wear in the 70s. Right. That's weird. It ain't right. right. Also, I have a hard time evaluating defensive ends and or defensive linemen in college when they are 320 pounds, but they wear the number six. It don't look right. How can I tell? I can't well, tell I, if you're actually giant or not. Well, I think that's the problem with the 88 for me. I think that subconsciously, I think, oh, don't don't hit him so yeah, hard. Yeah, right. Don't don't hit him. He's he can't because he's 88. Mm-hmm. I listen. Yeah. I I don't know, but in a way, I I guess I hope because it is such a unique thing. I hope he keeps the 88. I do too. I've been talking lately about uh, I've been talking lately about Roy Green. I'm fascinated by history. Seems to have forgotten number 25, Roy Green of the of the not the Arizona Cardinals, but the St. Louis Cardinals. He was the last guy to really play both sides. And I don't know why they don't oh, make a you know when NFL films that that should be their next uh, their their next football life on Roy Green, the guy who actually played defensive back and wide receiver, and was good at both, and in fact emerged as such a good wide receiver for Neil Lomax. He ultimately switched from 25 to 81. Anyway, enough about that, Huey. And what about Neon Dion? Uh, he was, he doesn't was, count? He's that was just, more gimmick. You think it was a gimmick? Well, he wasn't out. They wasn't taking 40 snaps with the offense or how anything. Ma- but how many touchdowns did he have a year? Not many. I mean, not aside from returning punts and such. I don't think. Oh, no, I'm talking about yeah, receiving touchdowns. I don't know. That's a good question. Can you look that up, Bartlett, behind the glass? How many touchdowns for Neon Dion on offense? Because I really don't remember him scoring ever very many at all. Really? And then I remember receiving him with the, touchdowns. Then with the Braves, and then oh, yeah, I mean he did it all, right? Bo. See, I'm from Atlanta, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. So what is – so you become a Packers guy. How did that happen? I mean, they're just the greatest organization in professional sports. It's weird, the greatest story. It's a weird time. To, is it Favre that lures you? No. Pre, you're pre-Favre? You're Magic Man? I'm, I'm, you're Lynn Dickey? I'm eternity. I'm eternity. But who was your first quarterback? No, I, it doesn't matter who my first quarterback was. <laughs> Lynn Dickey to James Loft. When you're only 27, how many receiving touchdowns? Three. See, well, not many. Not that many. He, yeah. How many receptions? Let's see here. Receptions. 60. 
He was a decoy. Forty. In '96, he had 36 receptions. Hey, that that's, right. There you go. That's a two-sided. So, 60 career receptions. Okay. What did I say? 60 or did I say 40? Uh, maybe I said. Four. What did I just say? When you 10 seconds ago, did I say 60? I said 60. I put it on the nose. You got wow. it. Wow. You. I mean, that's. Now. I know my neon Dion. Well done, sir. Are you when you're when you're growing up in Atlanta? Yes. You're a Braves guy. Yes, yes. How do you say that? Well, so what? What were you gonna say? Well, I was. I I, I always wonder. I in fact, I talked to Chipper Jones a couple of months ago. I love Chipper. Uh, yeah, I filled in on the Eisen Show name drop. Uh, love it. Double name drop. We both did it. I think. Oh, we both did it. I I, said I love Chipper. I I went to a higher level. I just said. I talked to Chipper Jones, but did I just have a casual conversation with Chipper Jones? No, no. It was when I was filling in on a national television program uh, called The Rich Eisen Show. That's a double name. I just dropped two names and bragged on myself because I was hosting the show. But then again, I didn't meet Chipper Jones and woo him in the wild. It was He was forced. To, he, he didn't have a choice. It was like, right. you got to talk to this schnook named right. Damashek. And Chipper may or may not have liked that. But I did ask him, how does it sit with you now that your career's in the books that you get that one title in spite of dominating the way few baseball teams in history ever have? Ever. I thought his an- his answer was fascinating. He said, well, first of all, I- well, I'll tell you what he said. He said, we lacked, my premise has always been, as good as Glavin and Maddox were, they weren't power pitchers, and that's what wins in October, and that's exactly what Chipper Jones said. Yes, it. He didn't denigrate those guys. He Rather, he said, if you look year by year when we would lose to teams, we went up against power pitchers that were just dominant in that moment, and we just, you know, we got dealt a bad hand. I never felt bad, like, wow, we should have really beaten that team. They just had... Uh, a power pitcher, and that's what you want at that time of the year. Interesting. My response would be exactly the opposite in a way. Now, I would have to go back and look at, like, scores of games, but I felt like I felt like they – like, as a team, they were the, they were the best over the long haul. Uh, you know, I mean, getting to the, the playoffs 13 years in a row, which has never been done before. Like, it was an unbelievable run. I felt like it was a bat – and maybe and maybe he's right or maybe he is a bat i mean he was unbelievable but he wasn't he wasn't judge right i mean they, they i don't i don't recall right off the top of my head and this is coming off the top of my head they never had like the guy leading the league in home run i didn't feel like they ever had a guy they had clutch guys chipper was clutch that could get a base hit but I don't know. They didn't have sort of that game Barry Bonds-esque. I know he didn't win a title either, but you know what I'm saying. Like, uh, listen, I watched your Braves beat my Pirates in 92. And Sid Bream! I, I ain't been right since. The former bucko. Sid Scoring Bream. from second base! That was unreal. Yeah, that, it was unreal. Yes. That was what it was. All right. It was All disgusting. Right. You talk about clutch. Francisco Cabrera. Mark Haunts Lemke. Me. Oh, God. it's all gross. Oh, uh, now, now you've now you've upset me with this conversation. I don't right. know how we got into that. And then you were a Falcons fan as well, or never? You no, never? I was a I was a Falcons fan. But you know, I mean, they had Steve Barkowski and oh, so you're Billy, looking at them with the Billy, red hats, Billy Billy White Shoes Johnson, sure, and, uh, Neon Dion. But you know, I mean, they were uh, they weren't ever very good. I I mean, they have in history, or at least since I've been watching pro football, two guys. And in fact, 
if any position in history gets underrated or misevaluated more, people love to talk quarterbacks and people can't really, average people like me can't really uh, determine how good an offensive lineman is versus another one. Running backs are weirdly hard to gauge for most people, and two of the best I ever saw, Gerald Riggs and Gerald William Riggs. Andrews. And yep. people, I, I feel like most people don't know who either one of those guys is, you know? And William Andrews feels like a borderline Hall of Famer almost. He had a terrible knee injury in a time when they weren't as adept at fixing those things. But And by the way, those glorious red uh, outfits over the bat, the red hats with the, the red, red jerseys yeah. and the, the gray pants. They got to get back to those. Right? I know, right? Well, but the uh, the other thing is that I, I say that they weren't that good, but you know they've done all the realignment and divisions and stuff. I mean, they were in. It makes no sense. They were in the NFC West. That was very weird. back in those days. So were the Braves. So yes, they were with the Dodgers. Uh, and uh, but it was uh, never occurred was to me a, that both a, of those Atlanta teams were in the west of their. Uh, so they were getting their brand speed out by the 49ers. Yep. Well, and the Rams a bit back when they were in L.A. Bartkowski, right? Chris Miller, David Archer. I remember those QBs. Yep. Yeah, Bartkowski. Oh, nobody threw the deep ball better than Bartkowski did in his uh, in his heyday. Um, and now you're an Angelino and yes. uh, and rooting for the Packers from Atlanta. I know it's very strange. And you like the Dodgers. Well, uh, yes, uh, but I that one I can explain really easily, which is I mo- I I moved around the country. I was doing theater back in my earlier days before I was. What kind of theater? Not singing. Not improv, or, or I mean, are you talking legitimate? No, I was doing like uh, legitimate, straight, scripted, scripted uh, yeah. theater. Yes, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was in Minneapolis. I was Chicago and San Francisco. I was doing shows everywhere, and I was still a Braves fan. That was TBS. TBS had was the you know other than WGN in Chicago, TBS it was the only team you could see nationally. So I was could watch the Braves, and and then that that kind of went away, and now they're on something else and I couldn't see it and then I moved to Los Angeles and I knew that I was never leaving Southern California and I love baseball and it was like you know my kids I want to go to games I don't want to go back to Atlanta and see one or two a year I so I one of the first things I did was I got Dodger season tickets I love that move and Chavez Ravine is you know there's so many cynics around the country who don't really know about LA and there are all sorts of uh, assumptions made and you know as you watch this LA Rams documentary um, that is the all or nothing series on Amazon you know you, you, I, I'm always reminded of you know I always I always swoon for the golden light at the Coliseum and, yes. I'm, I, and I can't wait for to see what the Chargers do in a completely different environment at, at the other end of right, uh, right. LA County is that even LA County Carson where the Chargers will be I think it's barely well, either way, so you see, yes. you have you have ancient Coliseum with the Rams in it, and now you have the Chargers moving from San Diego playing in a soccer stadium for thirty thousand. That that uh, difference is gonna is gonna be interesting. But people from around the country think they uh, they know about L.A. And I here's my theory about it, and it transcends sports. And oh, there's a, people in L.A. have too much to do to care about sports. They're out surfing as if. 89% of the population spends every free <laughs> three second surfing. <laughs> um, I, know, I know very few people who actually have Surf. ever surfed, let yes. alone uh, treat it like a religion. Either way, I wish I could do it. I, the, I think what people in L.A. 
or people from around the country, their opinions of L.A., whether they know it or not, are formed by New Yorkers. New Yorkers shape opinions much more than most people would concede. Really, L.A. and New York shapes national opinion largely because they control, without getting into a dumb conversation about fake news and allegedly fake news, which is, anyway, that's upside down, another conversation. Anyhow, um, New Yorkers would never live anywhere other than New York Except L.A., Except and that's because of the business. They come out here to, to be in the entertainment business. Right. Shame the devil. They would never move to Kansas City on a whim. You know, they were Pittsburgh. They would, they, that, so they moved to L.A., and then they resent L.A., not because L.A. is bad. It's just not New York, and so they hate it. And then they talk about how they hate it, and then that permeates its way into TV and movies, and now everybody thinks – uh, starting with Woody Allen in the Annie Hall, everybody thinks the only food you can get in L.A. is health food. Yeah. And it's very small portions. Right. And everybody's very pretentious. And everybody's constantly handing you a screenplay. Right. And everyone's a phony, and all the women have fake boobs, and no one's to be trusted. Right. Which then means the reality, what people perceive to be true of L.A. is the reality of Las Vegas. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. Because I think L.A. has real soul to it. And Chavez Ravine, from a sports perspective, in the Coliseum, in USC football games, that's not not, – there's nothing phony about that fan base wearing the cardinal and gold out in those stands. I'm not a USC fan by any measure. Right. But it's – you know – It's real. And it's a lovely place and everything else. So so you knew when you got to L.A., I'm I'm never leaving. I'm never leaving. Yeah. And would you – then the the real question is with your second child on the way I you know I'm a penguins fan I like all things black and gold pirates penguins steelers right now the pirates I'm not going to make them be a pirates fan you know they're not okay. good chavez ravine is nice the dodgers have a history penguins that'll hurt more you know I love Lemieux Crosby the rest but if they want to vibe to the kings I'm not going to get in their way Steelers, though. You want to root for another NFL team, Rams, Chargers, otherwise, go watch football in another house because you're not welcome here. During that Sunday, three and a half hours. How say you on that subject? I agree with you. Is that right? I Well, yeah, because I think that, uh, you know, I don't think this is like a novel thought, but I football has just become way more national. It's, it is, it is. A, it is a national game as opposed to a local game, in my mind. You can see every game, even at, if even if you say at the at your closest establishment, everybody's got the DirecTV and that stuff, and you can watch your games. And and let's face it, I've been in LA a long time, and there hasn't been a local team here. Now, I obviously will uh, have been lucky enough to be able to travel and see games other places uh and 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 that would be more difficult if I wasn't able to do that and to actually experience a game but I feel like you know baseball happens every night you know, that's part of local, why it's hard to stick a, with a team that's 3,000 miles away well exactly away. and it's every it's every night and you can go and it's, it's yeah sort of a, a family experience to sort of go to the game and be out and and see the game and and you know, even with little kids or whatever, you can do that. Whereas football, I feel like, you know, it's once a week. Your team is your team, and, and you kind of stick with it. It is pseudo-religion. It really is. It uh, is. Let's gather around. Do whatever you want during the week. Go root for your peng- or for your Kings and your Dodgers or whatever. But on Sundays, we, we, we root black and gold or shame the devil. That's, that's going to be where I have to put my foot down as a parent. I want to be a good parent, you know, and that's a good organization to be rooting for. How so you 
are in Atlanta. You're doing script. How we haven't talked about this uh, just uh, just for a few minutes. Then, how is it that you land on what I assume you consider to be the seminal seminal role to this point in your career, Kevin, on the office? How does how does that all sort of go down for you? Um. Well, I. So how I describe it is I put in my dues not in L.A. or New York. So I was in I was basically doing the national regional theater circuit. So I was doing large theaters in cities around the country and um, and was lucky enough to be getting work doing that. Comedy, drama, whatever. Mostly drama, Hmm. actually. Um, Some comedy. I mean, either. Um, But I finally decided that I uh, I had been, visited Los Angeles a few times and I decided that uh, I was going to say no to theater work and I was going to give it one year and I was going to move to Los Angeles and uh, and and see what happened. And if not, I would go back to doing what I was doing. I was happy enough. Um, and I came out and was lucky enough to meet the producers on the office uh, uh, three months after I, I, uh, I mm. moved here. And uh, and that started amazing right away. And Michael Schur and company, the the creators, the sort. I, I don't even know how they consider themselves. You know, obviously the Office, uh, the UK version. Um, it it became its own thing, and of course it would be held up next to the uh, to the British version coming out of the gate. And you know, with all due respect, I feel like. Just like Parks and Recreation, not coincidentally, which is by the same gaggle yes. of, uh, of writers and beyond. I feel like both first seasons were good. You know, they were good. But but the show is very different by the end, both series, by the end of the second season and really is peaking in season three-ish. And I feel like to a degree that the... the the other office people outside of uh, Jim and Pam and uh, and Michael Scott, I feel like re- and Dwight really, you guys emerged more and more and more. And right. was that the was that the premise going in, or we'll we'll see how many seasons we get before we start to delve more into into Kevin and beyond. Well, there's a creative answer and there's a business answer. So when you compare the two s- series. And you look at the British version of the show. It, there are thirteen episodes of the British version. There are. It's a completely unfair comparison for anybody to make. Yes, and for us, I think the final total of half-hour episodes was two hundred and four or something like that. So, you know, when we started, it was about adapting this British show for American television, which there are some inherent differences in in terms of that. We're not kind of as dirty on network television over here. And there were some changes that needed to be made. And, you know, um, NBC and CBS and ABC and Fox, they're not, they're not into making shows that last 13 episodes uh, because that's not how they make money. So, so there were two things. One is to us to have something run, say, you know, I think 200 was beyond their wildest dreams. Uh, the character specifically of Michael Scott that was taken from Ricky Gervais' character uh, in the British version needed to be more likable because, you know, after 13 episodes of the British version, he, he had to be fired. I mean, there was n- there was nothing redeemable, you know, th- there. He, he had to go. So um, that, and then also to, to have other people and other characters, as you mentioned, sort of evolve and change and, and be able to tell stories through them as well when and have other storylines sort of develop through those characters that enables the show to sort of 
go on. It really is, inter- and specifically to the lead, well, actually even Amy Poehler's uh, character in Parks and Recreation, they, they, they're they harder in the first season. They're, yes. they're more difficult to like, yes. They become more three-dimensional and, in fact, more likable. That's the color that's added in the second seasons, it seems to me, is something that uh, is easier to, to grab fair. onto as opposed to you're kind of like, I don't like this Michael Scott guy. I don't like him as much as I liked, uh, you know, the Ricky Gervais right. kind of thing. And I also think that you deserve credit. Uh, the show in general deserves credit. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the first – American sitcom that sort of doesn't rely on I mean even Seinfeld you know gets a lot of credit that it was nothing and it wasn't it didn't have a purpose it there wasn't a learning moment to me I think the office and the over the last decade plus now almost all successful sitcoms now don't rely on any punchline. It's all on irony. It's all character based. It's all based on the persona and the lack of a punchline. And like I say, yes. it's, it's much more ironic in nature. Is that fair? That the, is my missing. I would say the Larry Sanders show was you know Larry Sanders show. That's right. Had no laugh track. Sure. Um, but that was the cable show. It was a little bit different in a number of ways. But in terms of network comedies that were what they call in the biz single camera so not a laugh track not that sort of theatrical you know friends style where you have a laugh a laugh track the the punchlines are eliminated right because you're not expected to laugh at the same moment you may laugh at what somebody says or you may laugh at the response that somebody else gives to what they say or the look that somebody gives after the response to what somebody else says um, and that's, you know, I mean, look, I'm a, I was a fan of The Office as well. Was one of the things that I thought was so brilliant about it is that on multiple viewings, you could find other things that were funny besides the sort of expected thing. Um, I, I'm going back and watching the show right now, uh, going back for the first time, actually, and watching it all the way through. And I watched an episode last night that this is a perfect example of what I was just saying, is that there's an episode, I think it's called Koi Pond. Um, where Michael Scott falls into a koi pond. Now that's that. I guess that's the joke. That's not what's funny. What's funny is his response to having fallen into the koi pond, and then everybody else's response to him responding in various ways to falling in the koi pond. Um, that's what's funny. Whereas a traditional theatrical sitcom, the joke would be falling in the koi pond. And, and that's almost not funny in, mm. in, in the office. Well, I mean, yeah, that, you know, uh, I feel like I say this to you about four different uh, times each episode that we do here on the DDFP, but like that's an, another two hour conversation right. we could have. I'd love to hear more about that. Let's jump in on uh, pro football. But one more question about the office. Who would be which character would be the most excuse me, the most fun to drive across the country with? Who would you most Which want character? To? Not most fun, but who would you most want to? You have to drive – character, not actor. Character to drive across – is it ironically funny or no. like fun? This is you. Oh, me. This isn't Kevin. Oh, okay. This, this, is this is Brian in a car, and you don't know this person, but you've now like sort of like Harry Met Sally's first uh, – 20 minutes like oh we don't know each other but now we're stuck in a car together to to take a long drive let's get to know each other I mean it's kind of not fair but uh, because this is kind of the wussy answer but I uh, probably Jim yeah. because well no because I'll tell you why because it relates to football is 
he, he's very much like Jim. I'm not as much like Kevin as I am. So with ha- when you're hanging out with John, it's very easy. It's very much like Jim. And every day, I don't, I don't think I've talked about this very much. For, I would say, five or six years out of nine to ten years, we, John and I would go get our lunch and go to his trailer where he had a, where he had a TV. I had bought the Xbox and we played Madden football. <laughs> uh, in total, probably, you know, 120 of the 204 episodes. While we were filming them <laughs> during a week's time, we would play football every day at lunch. Ah, oh, see, why? Where, where was NFL Films to to shoot that to behind the scenes? Behind the scenes of behind the scenes at Duff, uh, at Dunder Mid, uh, Dunder Mifflin. Yeah, that would be great. I met uh, Krasinski once or twice because he's a big football fan, and I know he's a Patriots guy. Yes. I hope one day, before it's all said and done, it'd be nice to see Brady v. Rodgers. It would I, be, right? You and Krasinski debating who's oh, the better quarterback. God. Oh, that would be something to hear. There's no debate. Let's talk. You don't think there's a debate? No. no. You're not You're not going Brady, are you? No. Good, good. All right. Good. I was worried. I was going to say, if, if I don't like guys who are too – who too who, – can be too glib. Like oh, I'm not going to even try and make a case for my guy. Like uh, obviously Brady's better. No, there's more. Co- there's more accomplished and there's more skilled. There's a two separate arguments. That's correct. And greatest to me implies skilled. That's correct. Yeah. If and if they would, if the pa- I say to this day, as I defend Rodgers as the greatest quarterback I've ever seen, people always say, "Well, he's only won that one ring." And I know that you can play what if all day. But the all-time apocalypse game I've ever seen for a team is that second half uh, in Seattle. Don't that even say it. The worst Not even I've second half. Seen. It's two last two and a half minutes. People talk about one play. Oh People talk about like, oh, God. that play, the tuck rule wouldn't have happened. Then what? That's one play. There are eight plays. That don't happen. If you change just one of eight plays, the Packers win that game. No. And you know what people forget? Aaron Rodgers, oh everything going against the, the team. After they make that two-point conversion, the Seahawks, they get the ball back with a minute 25, does Rodgers, and he drives them down the field and gets the uh, the game-tying field goal to force that overtime. When you really, once and for all, knew the football gods were not on the Packers' side that day was when they didn't even win the coin flip. Well, it's not, it's not, but see, it's not even just that, right? It's Now, I mean, this is, again, a whole other two-hour discussion. But how about that Rodgers – in the Seahawks game, and then against the gentleman that we're just about to talk to, Carson Palmer, in the Arizona game, he goes to overtime two years in a row in the playoffs and doesn't touch the ball (laughs) in overtime. How is that? How The rule's got to be changed. You know what game you hold up when Aaron Rodgers retires? For me, as a big Ben Roethlisberger advocate – I, it's obviously I would hold up the last two minutes of uh, Super Bowl Forty Three. That's a well, is, is he a Hall of Famer? Do we need the always oh, deeds? Look at his career number. Oh, they, they check out. The numbers are are good. Like, but we need something to push us across the finish. I just watch those last two minutes, and that that'll answer any questions you have against the Cardinals. To me, the tape you show is for Aaron Rodgers 
is that Arizona game. Who was he throwing? They had no one on the field. Randall Cobb got hurt. Jordy Nelson was out the whole year. He had nobody to throw the ball to. He's throwing the ball to Jeff Janis. To Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis catches not one but two Hail Marys (laughs) on the same drive. He gets to overtime. You guys had no chance. The only thing that should make a Packers fan feel better about that one was you guys weren't going to win anyway. You guys weren't going to beat the Panthers. You weren't going to win the Super Bowl that year. The, The Seattle one? That's the one. That's the one that sticks in my craw as a football fan. I wish we could have seen Rodgers and Brady in Super Bowl Forty Nine. Anywho, let's talk not about what if, but what will be in uh, in Lake Tahoe on the golf course. And let's hear about the Arizona Cardinals as well. Let's talk to your pal, Carson Palmer, shall we? Let's do it. Here he is, everybody. The starting quarterback of your Arizona Cardinals, Carson Palmer. What's going on, man? Not much. Not much. How are you guys? Oh, my God. I am so good. I'm so good because I'm so looking forward to kicking your rear end in Tahoe this year. It's going to happen. How about this? Yeah. The loser, the loser has to jump off the dock into the ice-cold water of Lake Tahoe. Excellent. What a great way to start. First thing in the morning. Wait, now, wait, now how many points do I get? Do <laughs> none. I get none? Points. You just said you're going to kick my butt. Well, I yeah. So wait, how how do you how do you well, ask your question, Dave. Who's who well, I'll ask it for you. Who is the greatest NFL golfer that exists today? Current player or former player? Let's start with current. Well, I, I, I'm going to say me, and I'm, I'm looking to prove that uh, next week. But based on what your bravura set aside, what, what are, is there any, well, is there any measure that would indicate that that's the truth? Of course, there is. There's the American Century Championship. There's going to be a ton of current players playing in it, and I expect to have the highest score of the week. Wow! All right. Well, that's uh, that's impressive. But can you beat an actor like me? What? How many points did you end up with last year? How many did you end up with? Oh, they do the plus. That's right. <laughs> what do they call they, that? They the Stableford. The yes. I forgot. So, I didn't. Were you on the wrong side of zero? I was. I mean, I. I'm pretty sure I was on the right side of zero. I can't remember exactly. Well, well how, then, then you weren't because you would definitely remember if you had negative points. Okay, can we? Let's Carson Palmer. What's let's the most on. embarrassing uh, outcome to lose to an actor? And which actor would be? Who's the soap opera guy who's really good? The handsome guy, Jack Wagner. Jack Wagner. He's been doing yeah. that for like a quarter century. Is Sexy he the best? Yeah. he's the best. Yeah, he, he's the best. There's no doubt. Um, but Brian, I mean, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you ten points, Ooh. and on the, on the final day on Sunday. No, that's that's. I don't want to have to wait around for you on Sunday because you're going to be teeing off. Let's go. Let's go the first day. Let's go first round. The first round's Friday. Okay. And I'll give you. I'll give you eight points. You'll give me eight. How many points did you finish with last year? Uh, I want to say like fifteen ish. I don't you, remember. You finished with? Fi- are you lying? No, I, I honestly don't remember. But let me let me preface it with this: I've played golf probably in the last six months. I've played golf 
four times. No, uh, no, no. That see, is, then that's, no, see, that, thank you. All the, the puff in the, the chest out three minutes ago is, is uh, ancient history. Now, well, but by the way, caveat, if I don't do well, it's because I haven't played. No, no, no. I, I'm just giving him a basis of what kind of shape my game's in. So I'm giving him eight points. That's not that many points. I haven't been playing much golf. I'll take it. I'll take it. And the loser okay, so, has to jump in the drink. The loser has to jump in the drink, and the winner will provide a speedo for the loser. <laughs> no, no bet. <laughs> that's no, great. no bet. No, no. That's not going too far. Where's your honor? No, I. Yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I like that. that. I knew. I knew There's something like that. I knew something like that was going to come up. No, yeah, there's no, 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 I'm not doing that. We'll work on this, Carson. Um, but by the way, the second part is lose to an actor, is that more embarrassing, or lose to a kicker? Al Del Greco usually fares better than you might anticipate a place kicker might. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't count kickers because all they do is play golf. They're at the facility like an hour or two, and then they're on the course. So they don't really count. I'm, I'm talking about more position players. Mm. Because they have so much more on their plate during during a week uh, of the off season, so I mean, a, a kicker is out of it. But any other position player, I think I, I think I got. Okay, well, so now this leads me to something, and we're going to start talking about all or nothing that you were on last year. <laughs> but let, let, but but on all or nothing last year, you talked about being the best basketball player as well with much bravado. Now let me ask you this: Could you beat me in basketball? Yes, with and I would only shoot with my left hand. No. Now, you are aware, correct, that I have made 13 in a row from the free throw extended on national television in prime, you know, my, in prime time. Have you done that? One of my favorite – I have not, but one of my favorite episodes of The Office was the basketball game inside the Dunder Mifflin warehouse where Michael didn't pick you. Right, and then you and Phyllis get out there, and and you start draining shots. That's what I'm referring to. Yes, thirteen in a yeah. row from free throw extended, wearing a suit. I might add, Anton. That was impressive. With with big old shoulder pads in that suit too. That was a good suit. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. Hey, listen, he's hailing you in his own way. Now do the speedo thing. <laughs> I'll do it in the coat and tie. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about football for a moment, shall we? Although I really would be interested to hear much more about golf. What sport produces the best golfers? I think I know the answer. It's hockey, right? Uh, baseball, I mean, Smoltz and, and there, there's actually a lot of really good pitchers, especially starting pitchers because they don't pitch every night. Ah, so that on makes their sense. Days, they play a lot of golf. So I, I, think, I think it's probably baseball. That makes sense. All right, let's talk a little all or nothing. You were on it in season one. Season two, of course, focuses on your arch rival within the division, the L.A. Rams. And I contend that you guys were too good at 13-3 and three for it to be as compelling as this season with the Rams. This is what good drama is all about is the conflict is about the bad stuff, and we saw plenty of that. Are you a guy who cares – is fascinated by what happens in the other 31 locker rooms, Carson Palmer? Not really. I mean, mm. uh, you know, I, I've been around enough locker rooms and, and played for three different organizations, so I've, I've seen a lot and been around a lot. Um, to be honest, I, I love All or Nothing and Amazon and, and um, love what they've done, but I have not seen the, the Rams one. Um, and I just, you know, with, 
like I said earlier, I was telling you, I got four kids and, and, you know, training, all this stuff going on. I don't have much time to watch it. Right. Well, let me tell you something that uh, this question always fascinates me when I, when I uh, strike up conversations with football players. Um, so in this episode, we heard the audio earlier. They, they, they say that they, they've captured the footage in the all or nothing. The Rams, before their first game against you guys last year, they, uh, Ogletree, Alex Ogletree says in the huddle, we don't like them and they don't like us. Now, do you, do, well, you don't even need to respond whether or not that's true or not, but I guess my question is that's fascinating. Do you find yourself getting up more for certain teams as opposed to other teams, or is every game equally important? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, there's. I think we have a bit of a – I think you have a bit of a rivalry with any in-division team, obviously being in the NFC West with them and, and Seattle and, and uh, San Fran. You, you know, those games kind of count for more in, in our heads because getting those playoff positions and, and getting kind of prepared for the playoffs, it, those really kind of count count more as you're going into the playoffs. So we, we look at those games um, as much bigger than, say, an AFC game, just a random AFC game, because of the implications that, that come with it um, at the end of the season. But no doubt, I mean, there, there's been some bad blood between the Rams' former coach, Coach Fisher, and, and our coach, Coach Arian. Um, and we got our coaches back. They got their coaches back. And, and um, you know, it's just there is. I think you're on. You know, you're on the right path. There is a little something extra in some games. Most of the time, those are in division games. So that's because it, it's one of my favorite subjects as well. Is the human side of it, and it depends really what football player I'm talking to about how much that whether or not that's just an empty platitude or something for real. You really then do try to you're, – you're not one of these guys who's like, yeah, we're all pros, we're all in the same fraternity, and I wish everybody well. You actually do have some disdain for some of the guys across from you? Um, you know, not not in particular individual players, just just teams. I mean, there's, there's so much riding on these NFC West games. I mean, for a long time, San Francisco was, was in the NFC Championship and going to a Super Bowl, and then it was Seattle – um, you know, it's, it's been a very a, a fast and explosive division, one of the better divisions in football for a, a handful of years. So when you play those in-division games, there's just a little bit more riding on the line. And, mm. um, just naturally, when you play against the team twice a year, you just, you know, you're probably a little bit pissed off about something that happened the first time right. you played it in the year. And then when the second time comes around, that, that little thing, whatever it may be, is in the back of your head. So there just is a little extra emphasis on those weeks. Oh, that makes that makes a ton of sense. So let me ask you this: uh, uh, one other question about all or nothing. Last year, how was that for you? Know that was the first time that NFL Films, you know, and with Amazon had ever done anything like that. How was that for you to have them around for the whole year? I mean, did 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 you start to forget that they were there, or did you develop friendships with crews, or like you know, how how was that for you? You know, at the beginning of the year, it, it wasn't all or nothing. You know, even all the way through the end of the playoffs, we we didn't know what it was. Oh right, uh, we didn't know what was going on. We just thought, you know, our, our owner Michael Bidwell really wanted to remember the year and um, kind of, you know, just just get it on tape so you know we could all 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 could relive it, I guess. Um, and it just kind of kept building and building and building. There was something special happening, and I guess it bit Amazon's eye, um, and they wanted to to put it on TV, um, but. 
you know, they were around a lot in training camp and you just got used to it. And then you get out of training camp and you get to the facility and there's always cameras around, you know, there's local news, there's right. national news. Um, there's always reporters. There's, there's always your, your, uh, you know, the guy that, that covers our, our guys, Darren Urban, that covers our website and runs our website. And there's the beat writers that are, that are local guys. It's just a couple more cameras. Every once in a while you get, you get asked to put a microphone on and you get mic'd up for a practice or a meeting, whatever it is. Um, and it really doesn't seem any different or, you know, change your day. You know, there's just a, a couple more cameras here and there, and they just kind of blend in with all the other cameras. Air, uh, so, you, you know, we have Bruce Arians, who to me I would hold up as at minimum the funniest head coach in the league right now. And you – but you, we always hear about players' coaches, but, you know, you, you, you go back to Pete Carroll and you have Arians. And I don't know, what is Marvin Lewis – what would you consider him? Is he more or less a players' coach guy? Well, I think everybody's got a different definition of what a players' coach is. Um, you know, I – my, my definition of a player's coach is probably totally different from the next guy. I think there are guys that would think that Bruce and, and Marvin are players coaches. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I think Pete is a player's coach. I would assume that Belichick would not be a player's coach. So, well, what do you mean? So what's your definition then? Cause Bruce Aaron seems like a cut up if nothing else. My definition of a player's coach is somebody that probably played. So they understand how your body feels, what it's like to go through the season, you know, Giving you extra rest, giving you extra extra time off from practice. Um, maybe when everybody's dragging, realizes it, knows what it felt like, so decides to to make that day a walkthrough because you have a really physical game coming up in forty eight hours. That that to me is a, a player's coach. Somebody not that goes easy on you, but just has been there and knows how it feels and knows how your your back feels and your shoulders feel and uh, you know your neck feels for some of these guys and and knows when to kind of pull the reins off and and when to push them. Um, to me, that, that's my definition of a player's coach. What do you uh, – I, I have to harken back because you mentioned uh, Belichick, and that reminds me. How – was that uh, coming off of the 13-3 and three and, the, you know, the great 2015 and everything? What, how, how rough was that emotionally? Not, a, uh, you know, uh, or how did it sort of uh, frame what the 2016 season was going to be to lose to Garoppolo and company in week one on the big stage like that? Yeah, that was tough. I mean, it, getting a home opener is huge. Um, it's just nice to open up the season at home, to get that to get that game at home, and then to lose at the last second on, um, at the end of the game was, was tough when you feel like, you know, you're getting ready to walk in the locker room one and zero, and you end up walking the locker room zero and one. It's tough, you know. It, it's it's um, you know it's men- it's mentally a tough thing going into week two. You just feel kind of nasty, and you, you feel um, like you let one slip away, and, and you hate starting off zero and one, especially when it's at home. So th- those games are always tough. They uh, one of the things that that you got to see, you know, and you haven't seen it in all or nothing this year is. They have a lot of of shots of the coaches in the press box after they've lost. You know, the Rams lost a lot of games, especially the first half of the year. Very close games that came down to the last second. You know, in, in your season, you know, they didn't really have any of that kind of footage until, you know, unfortunately you guys lost in the, the NFC Championship game. You know, because you just brought up, how is that? You know, from week to week, coming off of a win or a loss. I mean, what kind? What 
you know, does it motivate you when you when you've lost in terms of the coaching staff or like you know how how is that and and in terms of the culture uh, of the team moving from week to week? Totally different. Totally, yeah. that's a great question because off of a win, everybody's happy. You don't really even if you got way you know you get away with one, you get a lucky win or whatever, or you just crush the team. It's just kind of everybody has a little bounce in their step. Everybody's feeling good. Coaches are happy. You're putting in the work, but it just feels good. And it's the exact opposite after a loss. Coaches are pissed off. You know, you're sore, and that soreness hurts just a little bit more. Um, the week, every day seems longer. Every meeting seems longer. Every practice seems longer. Even though they're exactly the same, literally down to the minute, they're the exact same length. It just drags on and it on. You can't wait for that next Sunday to get that bad taste out of your mouth. And when you're so excited, just like Christmas morning, when you're so excited for it to get there, it just seems like it takes forever to get there. So no doubt, the, the difference between a win week and a loss week is, is you know, they're polar opposites. And, you know, I, I feel like um, I, I keep going back to Arians striking me as a funny guy, but it seems like the Cardinals locker room, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like it's got a – um, an inordinate number of fun of good guys, right? I mean, I, like you say, you've been in a bunch of different locker rooms, but I know Calais Campbell's moved on and everything. But I mean, really, a lot of interesting fellas around there. Is that true, or is that uh, you know uh, season by season? No, it's, it's a great locker room. Um, the the group we have coming back is a lot different. Um, it's a lot younger in some spots, and, and then we have you know a handful of vets like Phil Dawson and Carlos Dansby, um, guys that, that have gotten gotten here at the end of their careers. Um, so it's a really good mixture of young talent, old veteran leadership, um, and a lot of good characters. A lot a lot of just good guys. Um, a lot of guys you enjoy being around with. You know, spending a whole month at a hotel in a training camp. Um, with the kind of guys we have, it's definitely going to be a lot easier. And and every year is a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get. Free agents come in, um, draft picks come in. You never know uh, what kind of personalities, what kind of sensitivity, got, you know, sensitive guys that could come in. Um, but this year, uh, I'm really excited to go to work with this group. It's, it's like I said, there's there's some really good veterans, some really mature guys, some mature young guys too, some mature young rookies. So. Um, it's going to be a really good locker room this year. And you mentioned that when you go to training camp, this is one of these, some of these, some teams still stay in dorms and they make you have a roommate. When you're in the pros, isn't it like, well, I, well, I don't want to live with another outsized human being stinking it up in summertime like that. Isn't that, that would make me not want to go to a team as a free agent. That would be, that would be a line of delineation for me. How say you, I assume you don't have to have a roommate, right? No, no roommates for me, but I mean, I, I don't know if anybody wants to go to training camp, period. Hmm. Um, but especially with a roommate. Yeah, that, that would that would be no fun. Um, what I if, what if the roommate. roommate was me? Oh. What if I was your roommate? I'd be retired and my golf game would be really, <laughs> really, really good. That's rude. No, I'm that's, just kidding. No, that's really rude. It is. It does seem mean spirited. Yeah. It it did. Well, so by the way, I have to say you you uh, you talked about the the characters in your locker room, but after watching All or Nothing last year, the star of the show is 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 Christine Arians. How unbelievable is she? Oh, you, she's she's awesome. Uh, I mean, what a character! Good yeah, lord, she's, she's a ball of fire. Um, but she's awesome. I mean, she. She's around a lot. The coach, coach, and, and uh, 
and Chris Arians do a ton for a ton of charity work. She's always at different events and they do dinners and golf tournaments and things at Top Golf and and um, just a number of different things. So she's around a lot um, and she's just a ball of energy. She keeps Bruce going. There's no doubt about it. Well, and that's what's that's what's really fun about that that show is is, I mean. You get to we get to see a side of you that most people don't get to see, and you get these characters come up like Christine Arians and well, and Bruce too, and um, and oh, actually, I want to ask you another question about that. How, so Bruce has a naughty mouth, mm. right? And and Greg Williams in All or Nothing this year has an extraordinary. I don't need, You know what? Can I tell you? I don't feel like he is the wordsmith that Arians is because Arians a really good potty mouth. Knows how to integrate the bad words, and they kind of wash up, and they make sense. Greg Williams is just jamming them in there, you know. That, that doesn't make any sense the way he just uses a bad word every two or three words. It's you know, it's yeah. unsatisfying. Yeah. Do you do you, do you, do you feel? Does that just be, become just like part of the way the person talks, and you don't even hear it anymore? Yeah, but you're right about Bruce. Man, it's it's. He, do, he uses a lot of foul language, but he doesn't overuse it. Um, it's very, it's funny how he uses it. So you do, you do notice it and you do hear it a lot because he comes up with some, a way to throw an F-bomb with a handful of other words and then finish it off with an F-bomb at the end. And it's a way you've never heard it before. So you can't help but laugh. Even when it's directed at you, you can't help but laugh because he uses first words in ways and strings them together in ways that I, I have never heard before, and he's consistently coming up with new he ones. Is, so it's it's like Shakespeare. Stuff. It's he's the Shakespeare of the f bomb. It's like Pesci in Goodfellas. You know, like there's a there's certain Michelangelo. Some work in in uh, on canvas. Some work in clays. You know, Arians seems like he were uses uh, the four letter f word. Yeah, and do we do we? Ha- so here, here's here's just uh, really quickly an example of Greg Williams this year. If you don't. Hate losing, get the out of here. It's about being great in this room. I'm tired of talking about it. Do it. Do it. Yeah, well, that was actually pretty mild. Carson, how, I, I, you know, Fisher does a lot of that too. How At what point in a season is it like, all right, enough with the platitudes, guys. This ain't our year. I mean, does that happen in the locker room when you know that the season is probably not going to wind up uh, with, uh, you know, with some playoff ball in January? You know, it's been a while since uh, since I've been in a situation like that, and there's no doubt there's there's some teams you can just sense it happening to and, and you can feel it happening to, and it's the best thing in the world. I love it. I can't wait to go play a team at the end of the year that has nothing <laughs> to play for. That's interesting. You know, you're getting ready to go to the playoffs, and, and it's a game where, you know, you only have to play for three quarters and you're sitting on the sideline watching the fourth quarter um, with a win, you know, already – already in your hands basically um th- those are really nice to get those at the end of the season because those are just gives you a chance to rest and recover and get ready for the playoffs i you know you said to see a side of a guy i you know when i look at you carson palmer in the face i'm fascinated by the looks of quarterbacks in the nfl i say here and now and it's not just because we're talking to you i decreed this three years ago it. you are it, what I want my quarterback to look like in the face, you're it. I think you. I think you cut the figure of a QB. You look right. You know what I'm saying? Like like a little chubby in the neck, 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, little, no. Little balding, a little bit of gray hair starting to come in. Don't be uh, self-effacing. That, that's just rude. <laughs> no, I, I'm fat. Like, to me, well, first of all, who's, uh, who's the most handsome quarterback in the NFL? Um, <laughs> you can say you if you feel that way. But speak from no. the heart, though. I think no. I think Dave feels it's you. I I, I mean, mean kinda. You know, there's a handful of guys in G the do the GQ kind of deals and you know the photo shoots. Um, I've seen Mark Sanchez in some photo shoots. Brady's done some of that stuff. So yeah. there's a handful of guys that that grace the covers of you know fashion magazines and stuff like that. That's not particularly my style. I'd rather be. Um, on the cover of like Outdoor Life or a Good Hunting magazine, Bow Hunter magazine, or something like that, I'd be more proud of something like that. It's funny you say that because I was just going to say, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo and Mark Sanchez are pretty, you are ruggedly handsome. This and is, I think, do you, do you on God, game this day? This is so uncomfortable. In a j- oh, listen. Oh, but, I'm not uncomfortable at all. Keep it coming. This is great. Thank this you. Great. That, people good. get so insecure. Are you going to talk about me later? Yes, we will. Yeah, okay, we'll get into your, right. into your appearance. No, listen. I'm I, in a big playoff game. I am. I, I'm curious about what a quarterback decides. Is it best to go clean shaven because there are going to be millions of and millions of eyeballs on you, or do you want to, you know, maybe intimidate your foe a little bit and have like four or five days growth? You know. You know, I don't. I don't think the success or failure of a playoff game comes <laughs> down to the opponent huh? being intimidated by your facial hair, but. I've done. I think I've done both. I've probably had some clean shaven and and some bearded playoff games. Um, I'm I'm more the superstitious type. Like whatever has been working, I'll keep that that kind of look going on. But I've never really thought about it from an intimidation standpoint. Maybe you should yes. though. Now you have to go back and look at the tape and see which playoff games you won if you were clean shaven or if you had the four or five days. Yeah, growth. then it's just nothing but Super Bowls. No, no. Yeah, listen. I, <laughs> I see I think it's I think it's more about the personality of the city or the climate. So like I think the rugged beard look in Cincy was probably appropriate. Whereas you know in Arizona hanging out in Scottsdale like you probably should be more clean-shaven. What what, what do you think? I, I think whatever you think, Brian. If, if that's what you uh, think, you seem like a real fashionista. To me, so if you tell me to go clean-shaven, I'm going clean-shaven. All right, Par- uh, Carson. Thank you. Hey, uh, I got one more real quick. Okay. Seahawks or Steelers? Who do you like less? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the Seahawks. Okay. Good answer. And, and lastly, you are the greatest quarterback in USC history. Will Sam Darnold one day perhaps take that throne? Oh, I think so. I mean, I, I think his future is so bright. Um, he's such a great kid. He's such a great talent. Um, he's got a really good foundation around him with family and friends. And, you know, he just, for, for such a young, talented guy that's had that had so much success fast, um, he's really on the right track mentally. And, and I've had a chance to spend some time with him. And, um you know, I, I, I think he's got an unbelievable NFL career, but before he even gets to that, I, I think his college career is just – he's already got one rolled down. Hmm. So I'm, I'm excited for him. 
Well, four kids. I, you know, I too have four, so I feel your pain and share your joy, whichever side uh, of the ledger you fall on today. Best wishes taking down Brian and company in uh, in Tahoe, and make sure you send photos of the speedo. Uh, I will see you. Uh, I'll see you soon. We yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Awesome, awesome to talk to you. But Brian, let's figure out that bet. The speedo, you're right. The speedo thing's a little bit aggressive. Yeah, um, especially when you aggressive. lose. Well, yeah, and I haven't been keeping up on my spray tan, so it would be really awkward for me. Huh. But let's uh, let's let's figure out that um, before the end of Thursday or before the end of Friday, and, and figure out what we're gonna do. Let's do it. All right, perfect. Awesome. I love thanks, it. So Stay healthy, soon. Carson Palmer. Have a great 2017, man. Thank you. Take care. All right, bye bye. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.